1: hey there next fans how you doing it's your boy John of the Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. I am excited to be coming at you about who? What is it? Uh, Twenty-five minutes after the Knicks have just put a spanking, a spanking with a nice big paddle on the on the uh, Boston Celtics in the Boston Garden, and joining me because we are recording this on a Sunday. Who else? um it's always appropriate when this person joins me but um he's a ginger he 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 is um he is pale skinned i mean he would fit right in in boston and i do believe he has some experience in the boston area where you must have just fit it like a hand in a glove uh jeremy cohen uh, hello sir how are you I'm good. That was quite the introduction, John. <laughs> I, 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 just, I think of,
2: it just comes to me. Of course. No. Hey, I get it. Of all people, I understand. Yeah. I uh, I went to school in the Boston area. Uh, the one thing is I'm not Irish at all. So, uh, and I stayed clear of Southie, South Boston for the most part. Okay. But uh, yeah, no, it always feels good. I lived with, with guys who obviously were from the Boston area because I... I went to school there, and it's always a great feeling to beat the Celtics. Um, I went once to a Knicks game. I think Cole Aldrich absolutely destroyed Boston's front court. That was really fun to see. Other than that, though, I mean, it's when you're watching, it can be depressing. Today, not the case. This was uh, a thumping that will be remembered for because the last time the Knicks won by 30 or more against the Celtics in the Garden, I think the vast majority of people listening to this probably were not alive, it's fair to say.
1: Uh, I actually I was I saw tweets like uh, alerts popping up on my phone that said it was the biggest win in Boston since when When was it? I think it was 1970 something. OK, there you go. Right.
2: Wasn't it or did they say 37 years ago? I...
1: I'll, I'll take a look now. But it, yes. OK, so it's a long time. If It's ago. 37 yeah.
2: years ago. Obviously, there are more people listening who are alive then. But uh, if it was
1: even longer than that, then. So, naturally, so basically sure. the year I was born, roughly, uh, uh, roughly. That that yeah. sounds about right. Yeah. Um. So a little bit of a table of contents for today. Uh, we're going to talk about the game. Uh, we're going to talk about kind of state of affairs for the Knicks. And then we are going to talk about the, the hardened trade. I know um, I did a, a quick uh, hardened trade uh, thought thing on the YouTube channel, but uh, I think both Jeremy and I feel that it is interesting from a Knicks point of view for a couple of reasons. So we are going to get into that. But first things first. Boy, um, I feel like a coach I'm about to say can't ever react to what is it to don't react to be too high after a win and too low after a loss. And I feel like as a fan, we have to abide by the same thing. But at the same time, it's it's hard. Let me tell you why it's hard for me not to. Um, have a, 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 as Jeremy takes a swig of his beer, um, not to have a, a, a significant reaction to them beating the Celtics by 30 today. Um, the Knicks were coming off five losses in a row, obviously. Um, they are a young team. They're a team with a new coach. They're a team. They're an organization that is has as um, questionable a foundation um, as any in the league just because of the amount of losing they have done for as long as they have done it. And I was starting to get worried, and I've said this as much on the last couple post games that guys would start to question the methods and like the work that they were putting in with Tibbs and and all of that stuff. And then they come out here, and it's it, this. Yes, the Celtics missed a lot of threes, and maybe we'll talk about that. I don't really know what it, there is to say, but I thought the defense was was sounder than it has been all year. I thought they were crisp. I thought they were clean. The fact that it was a one o'clock start. And the Knicks came out with a a sense of poise and purpose. Um, And then Tibbs, sure enough said after the game that he keeps telling the guys, you're practicing. Great. Keep, keep at it. If you continue this level of preparation, the results will come and they are clearly still buying into that. And for as much as we'll um, maybe get into other things and roster moves and starting lineup decisions and all that stuff. Me personally, as a fan, that's the thing that I still hold highest in terms of what I'm looking at. How 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 are they taking to this coaching staff, this regime? And that's why I feel really, really good coming off of, of this win today.
2: Yeah, really well said. And, uh, you know, I mean, it seemed like a lot of, sure, the Celtics missed a ton of threes. I was really hoping that they would actually set the record for most, for the lowest three-point po- three percentage in a game, and then eclipse the Knicks because then we wouldn't have to, you know, worry about the Knicks having done it. That was not to be, of course, but from earlier uh, you know, this uh, from earlier this season. Yes, right. But yeah, but a ton of the threes that they took and subsequently missed were above the break threes. I think there was one moment where I want to say it was Bullock who was on defense where Tice was above the break and smart was in the corner and he was the only one guarding both. And he kind of he tried to figure out which direction to go to and he hedged for smart for a second, but then went back to Tice. Um, but then went back to smart because he realized, well, Tice taking that shot is a higher chance of him missing it than smart from the corner. And he was right. He, it was the gamble that paid off. And it's, you know, it's, this isn't so much praising Bullock as it is like, there's clearly a mindset going on here where there's a system in place. Schematically, they know what they need to do in terms of pushing up with the three point attempts are. And there's just a nice moment to see. Um, but you know, you you see these young guys that are, are playing so well. Um, and yeah, I mean, everyone has up and down games, right? Like, yeah, sure. Today was maybe not the the game that Kevin Knox was going to have compared to the other ones, but I got to say, when he hit the his lone shot, that corner three, yep. I said money before the ball even left his hands, and he hit it. They feel like just,
1: they're all going to go in now.
2: Exactly. He's he is just <laughs> crazy to say about. I know Kevin Knox. <laughs> I know. I know. It's it's fantastic. Um, but it, it's the sort of thing where I guess the it almost felt like the biggest issues I had had to do with minutes where it was like, okay, Mitchell Robinson's pretty banged up. He, the Knicks are winning by like 26 in the fourth. You don't need to bring him in. There's a game tomorrow, unless you're planning on sitting him tomorrow. Uh, but even still, if you're not, or even if you are, why are you bringing him back in a few minutes later? He went, he was brought out things like that, where, you know, th- there's a lot that we have to nitpick. And um, I don't know. It just, it seems to me in general that we, as a fan base, and I, I'm certainly a part of this too, Um, From time to time. But I'd say that what I've seen, because John, I know that you're not on Twitter as much because you have a family and mouths to feed, and I have my own mouth to feed, and that's about it. Um, It's it's, an important mouth. It is. Absolutely. Food is food. You want good food. You want tasty, all the things. Of course. uh, Edible food is even better. It's the best. Yeah. But so, you know, this idea where I've just kind of been sitting and watching and observing, and it just, you know, it just feels like every single time something happens, there always has to be a negative attached to it. Like, let me put it this way. I I am very um, vocal about the fact that I don't want Alfred Payton starting anymore. I think a lot of us are. A lot of us would love to see Emmanuel quickly start. But let's also go back to the draft. When a lot of the talking points were, I can't believe the Knicks traded the 32nd pick or how could the Knicks not have taken a PG or why are they doing this in terms of Alfred Payne? We've talked about this. I don't I don't necessarily have to rehash that part, but the idea of, well, we've gone from I can't believe the Knicks didn't take a point guard to, hey, the player that the Knicks drafted late in the first round should be starting. And that's that's that says something about us or the fact that a lot of us said Kevin Knox should not be a basketball player. That's on me. I said that. John, we've both said that from time to time based on the last two years. And we he's have. showing, Hey, he's a rotational player. Uh, the fact that Mitchell Robinson now is among the lead league leaders in blocks and steals combined where before, you know, he was struggling and now, yes, it's like, we want him to take a three, but, but what do you, you know, like there's clearly promise here or Obi Toppin where he had a great game today, especially considering how he's still coming back. He had 12 points in 12 minutes. He looked bouncy he, you know, he's, he's going to make rookie mistakes. And know there was one where he was driving baseline a couple other times. He looked a little too close to, um, small things as well, but he's not going to be perfect. But then, you know, you see, well, what about Devin Vassell or Tyrese Halliburton? And it's like, again, we've, we've played what? 14 games, right? And Obi Toppin has eight. played and He's played like it, four or five. If you well, count like no, 59
1: seconds of one of those games, if you don't count the 57 second appearance, this was Obi Toppin's, um, third game and he went out and had 12 points in, in 12 minutes.
2: Yeah. And and so it's just this, this constant narrative. And of course, how could I forget about RJ Barrett where it's the idea of obviously we all want to see him shoot threes. It's, it's really hard to see him missing them, but it's the sort of thing where again, He's a young player who's able to follow up bad games with good games and vice versa. We don't have to all say like, I'll be out. We're so reflexive to these games when we really need to view them from a step back where if you're looking at the record, which is a fine record considering the state of the team as is and the quality that's on the roster. Oh. Even still, it's it's the it's the proof is in the pudding, not by the results. You can look at the results. That's fine. but But look at the players themselves and how they have improved and how I really can't say that there's any player who has regressed compared to last year at least who feels like a mainstay moving forward i was about to say
1: other than other than peyton right um you know but i don't
2: i don't view him as someone who's yeah who would stay here long like or even randall and that's another thing the idea of, of forcing randall out look guys we know why obi Toppin was drafted we know that he could easily be a randall successor but unless Randall is ready, or excuse me, unless Toppen is ready to take over for Randall, there's no reason to push Randall out the door. It just isn't. So, I and I again, I get caught up in these things too, but I've been really trying to be patient because of this being, as we've said, year one of the Rose administration, just view things, not so much from a game by game basis, but just. Overall, try to look at bigger picture things because it will drive you fucking nuts to keep doing this to yourselves. And like like today was fun, right? Today was a great game. But it then there's but what was the narrative before today's game? The Knicks have lost five straight. we start questioning Tom Thibodeau. We start wondering about the players. It's it just it's this it's this anxious need to feel pity and to find the negatives when when I'm not saying ignore them, it's just
1: be level-headed about them. So here here's what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna actually um, as someone who got myself in some hot water, as, as Jeremy takes another swig after that, Gloria, it was a glorious rant. Thank you. Um, and,
2: and I feel like I did it last week, but again, it's just like, it. this team went five and three, yes. But what did you expect if they went worse? Like, we know well, this is not a good team. So if they went better, which they did, they went five and three, it's not so much a drop off. It's just regressing to the mean, which I know may sound the same thing, but it really isn't. It's well, really different. And if they were just shit the whole time, then they'd be shit the whole time, and we'd be we'd be yelling and screaming when again this is the team that we expected to be bad in the first place. So
1: there's o- there's always going to be yelling and screaming because we're we're New Yorkers and we uh, it is it is ingrained in our the fabric of our being that just being worse is not acceptable. That there has to be some way, there has to be something else you can do, there has to be more effort that you could put in and, um, or you know, some change that you could make or whatever. And I know that sounds crazy to say about a franchise that has given us what the Knicks have given us over the last 20 years, but I really do believe that, which is why when people say the Knicks have the best fan base in sports or at the very least in the NBA, and I, despite what you just said, despite what I've said at times, I, I do believe that because, like, there is no throwing in the towel. There is always like what you're saying is complaining, right? Which is, by the way, I said the very same thing, but I was about to refer to before getting myself in hot water over the summer when I defended the Alfred Payton signing and people were, were, going crazy about it. And I was like, look, you just signed a guy who if you look at the numbers last year was not his fault. And he signed him for one year and $5 million. It is what it is. We're going to talk about Payton in a second, but like, I, I think the, the, it is, again, it is that New Yorker in all of us <laughs> that just refuses to accept bad and is not going to say, all right, this is what it is. Like, we're constantly going to look for things to tinker and things to change. And that that's OK. That's fine. But but at some point <laughs> to your to your rant, there needs to be I think I just think it's a lot easier if you take a step back from the ledge, because if you're going to be a fan of a team, you know, as you said, I've been off social media a little bit because I, I just, I don't have time to fit in with my schedule anymore. Um, and it's like, it's easier this way to not have to see all the, the everything, all of the, all of the a torch being lit every time. Like you said, Mitchell Robinson plays five minutes more today than he should. I'm sure there were people like that are raising a stink about this on, on Twitter. It, I think if you're a Nick fan and you're trying to be reasonable I think there's a couple things that you need to accept. One, Vegas is not stupid. If anything, um, they will set a higher number for the Knicks before the season because they know New Yorkers tend to put money on their on their team, or New York teams garner more bets, right? Um, they had the Knicks as the lowest over/under in the league, and as we sit here right now, 14 games in, which is um, almost a fifth of the way through the it is more than a fifth of the way through the season, right? Because 14, yeah, 14. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a fifth of the way through the season. They are six and eight. They have the 21st ranked net rating in the league, which is astounding. Um, In terms of defensive rating, the Knicks are back to being a top 10 defense. And if you want to say, well, of course they're back to being a top 10 defense. They just held the Celtics to whatever the hell points. They held them to 75 points. Well, yeah, that's one of, 14 games that they played i think they were 13th going into the game yeah
2: which goes to show the so it's but it yeah and a like record.
1: and you want to point to after two games after three games after four games after five games the Knicks are getting lucky with with teams hitting a lot of threes against them some of which are wide open that argument gets a lot more tenuous after 14 games um it's still an argument it's still it's still valid and the celtics by they had some open threes today, but they were not like very rarely was it like guys had all the time in the world to load up. There was someone flying at them because that is what a Thibodeau defense is supposed to do. It's supposed to make guys think twice. All right? So I think if you're a Nick fan and you look at that big picture, um, and, and you want to and you want to be fair to the team moving forward. I think if you want to, if the one thing I will say, and again, this is coming from the guy who defended the Alfred Payton signing. Um, if there's one thing you want to jump up and down about and be like, listen, it's fucking time. It's quickly still coming off the bench and Alfred starting because as I mean, Christ, they got Mike Breen saying it on the broadcast. Yep. It's not, he literally literally said today, he's like, it's not that Payton's a bad player, but if you can't hit a jump shot in this starting lineup, that really hurts him. So if that's the thing, if that's the hill you want to die on, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna um, tell you you're wrong. But in terms of the other stuff, like, what did you want? <laughs> you know, like if the if the biggest if the biggest issue that you have is that Mitchell Robinson played too many minutes in a game where he looked like he was maybe hobbling, well, okay. So then what you're saying is you don't trust the training staff, right? But he's also a guy who, for two years now, we've kind of questioned his. Like, how much does he mentally stay in the game? How much is he focused, right? Like, there's a reason why he fell to the 36th pick in the draft. And this is a guy who thought highly enough of what was going on out there today to want to gut it out, whereas he did not need to. I personally look at that as a positive.
0: You want to look at it as a negative? I mean, that's your, that's your right to do so. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. So, but I just
1: there's just so many more positives, even after the five game losing streak, because, again, the last thing I'll say on this, even with the five game losing streak, it wasn't like they were going out there and not giving a damn. They were losing because they have less shot creators than anyone in basketball. The couple of guys that are healthy that were out there weren't hitting threes. And by the way, since Reggie Bullock has come back, their has looked a lot better um because he he, even if he's not hitting shots he he gives a little bit more spacing um and burks is still out and frank is still out and Toppin was out for the whole time and like all of this stuff matters so um you know it's like again what did you expect coming out of this game and and if there's anything else you want to say in general say it but um i I think we should probably talk about emmanuel quickly right yeah 100
2: Uh, percent just from a macro point of view again because we're on the same page we want him to start over alfred payton i don't think that there's any convincing argument especially because if your idea is increasing alfred payton's trade value number one what really is that now number two he has a no protection clause and number three unlike the other knicks who were signed because he was re-signed with um he didn't because he was signed by the knicks again he isn't eligible to be traded until like march or so i think the beginning of march as opposed to the other knicks who are available in february but he's even he's so, a like, waiver candidate he's not a trade right. candidate right. exactly he's a salary filler guy and if he's really yeah. interested in not being traded then it's like okay well we'll just waive you and then no one will pick you up exactly um but again like the thing with emmanuel quickly here is look at the last four games 29 minutes per game or t- excuse me, 29 minutes 22 minutes 28 minutes 21 minutes I mean, yes, of course, we want him to start because we want that spacing to be helped by uh, you know tremendously in the in the back court of the starting lineup. But it's not like he's not playing.
1: Can we could we just say the last three games um, average minutes? Oh, sure. It's, it's uh, uh, last three yeah. games of uh, Alfred Payton twenty five minutes a game. Emmanuel Quickly twenty four minutes a game. Right. So it's again you want you want less
2: Payton. Of course, you I, want more quickly. 100%. You do, it, but it, but it's not yeah. like it's this outrageous disparity between the two. And it, it even registers for quickly. I mean, he's got 19 points, 23 points, 17 points. Uh, he had eight assists today. His floater game was impeccable. Uh, I mean, it's just, he's showing growth. And that is so incredible to see, especially for a guy who the Knicks actually, after trading up for, traded back for. They traded back for Emmanuel quickly and still managed to get a good player. So yeah. that's just exciting to see. And you know, and the, the connection between him and Obi Toppin was really fun. That's another thing. If you want to weigh, what is more important: having Emmanuel quickly next to Obi Toppin and Kevin Knox, or next to RJ Barrett and Julius Randall? And I'm, you know, I, I'm inclined to think it's well, the uh, with RJ. I'd like to see that. Um, but again, if he's helping players around him that are able to prosper a little bit more, because if Alfred Payton's not looking their way necessarily, then that's going to be a problem for them and for the backcourt as a whole. Th- there's got to be something to be improved
1: upon here. So. It's Tim's, even said, Tim's even said after the game, um, he mentioned the that duo of Quickly and, and Toppin. So I think it would be naive for us to um, not think that there is some organizational thinking to like, hey, we just drafted these kids. Let's make it a point to see if we get them five, 10 minutes on the floor together moving forward.
2: Yeah, just stagger accordingly. That's That's what I agree with.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, but he—he's quickly phenomenal. Um, I don't know how else to say it. I think Obi probably calmed some fears of uh, of the uh, Halliburton heads out there, um, you know. And look, Halliburton's had a very nice season. He's hitting above fifty percent from three. But if you're just looking at the numbers and you're not watching Halliburton play, I'm—I'm I'm not saying he's not a really good player. That dude is, for all we know, could wind up being like having an RJ Barrett type impact on a team for a very long time, being the third or fourth best player on a good team. And he's playing off of other guys, but anyone who thinks like Halliburton was going to come in here and be the answer to the team's point guard problems, they're they're their issues on offense are because they, again, they don't have anybody else or anybody, sorry, anybody who can create um, the closest they have a Julius Randle, and God knows that dude can't do any possibly more heavy heavy lifting than he's doing right now. Um, So, uh, yeah, I mean, I I think Obi was nice today. Um, Knox, I do also just want to say very, very quickly, uh, no no pun intended, um, Knox is now on the season. You want to guess what his three-point percentage is? I don't know, is it like 40.8 or something? It is 44.2% from downtown um, on nearly four attempts per game, but in only 21 minutes per game. So um, per 36, you're looking at for Kevin Knox, He's it's a, uh, just over six attempts per 36 minutes, again, on a 44% conversion rate. Um, ob top and also small sample size um he's at 41 percent per uh on he's he's taking eight three points for 36 minutes i know that really doesn't mean anything because he hasn't really played any time but um yeah Again, i'd like to
2: see him use more as a role man but you also need the offense so around I. him to be effective and but, as we had talked about before it's still nice to see them trying to expand his game like what Kentucky does for their players and trying to make their bigs more comfortable and having more all around games, I mean, not even just their bigs. I mean, look at Emmanuel quickly himself. He wasn't playing as on ball and we thought he was going to be off ball. He is clearly demonstrating that he can be an asset on the
1: ball. So again, it's just, it's all process. And, and it goes back to what we were just saying about what know. is the point of this season? Yes. They're trying to win games, but if Obi Toppin establishes himself as a threat from three-point land, oh, my God, is his career going to be a sight to behold if they then put him in situations where he can actually be the role man with space like we saw in the second half a little bit today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's going to be exciting. Anybody else from today's game, I, we, we should talk. I mean, uh, Julius Randle, I, I personally have run out of things to say about Julius Randle. Um, you can we, only wax poetic so much before it's just like, it's just the, the norm. I mean, do you want to just read the numbers real quick? He is at 23 points a game, 22.9. He is all the way down to six and a half assists. Julius, you're slacking, man. Well, he had four Uh, today. So, I mean, uh, come on, Julius. Just awful. Um, Still over 10 rebounds a game. The turnovers are down under four for the first time this year. Um, So that's nice. That assist to turnover ratio, all of a sudden, 6.5 to 3.9. It's getting a lot more acceptable. Um shooting hitting almost 80% of his free throws and he's getting to the line six times a game. And then the thing that might come back down, I mean, yes, he's making a lot of long mid-rangers. Uh the other thing that might come down to earth a little bit is the three-point shot. Um, 35.7 percent on four attempts per game. But I also feel like a healthy number of those are from the corners. And if you want to tell me that Julius Randle has become an efficient corner three-point shooter at this point in career, I am I may believe that. Yeah, um, because guys could do that. Form is fine. And then uh, last thing before maybe we talk about the trade, um, RJ Barrett, how are you feeling about RJ right now on the whole? I'm feeling,
2: I'm, I feel like it's at equilibrium. You know, again, you had some really not good games, bad games beforehand. And then he seems to rebound. He's showing mid range. He's showing his size, his strength. Yes. The wiggle, you'd like that to be a little better. You want to be craftier, but he's, you can see that he's still thinking. I mean, the fact that he's able to pick up 11 rebounds, it doesn't seem that astonishing to me because it seems that he's always collecting seven, eight, nine rebounds. Uh, You know, he has a nose for the ball. He, he sees players constantly. I think there was a, it might've been the Cavs game where uh, there was a play he could have easily gone to the hoop and he just dished it perfectly to I want to say it was Noel, but I, I, I can't remember exactly which big it was, but it just, it was that sort of thinking where he's not going to plow right into a guy sort of like what we saw from Randall last year where he just wasn't going to be, consistent. And then we saw it from, ironically enough, Elvert Peyton today where there was like a three on two opportunity after the steal and Peyton just kind of took it to the hoop and made a terrible layup. RJ managed to get the rebound and was fouled and went to the line. You know, I mean, that's, that's what you don't want to see. But the fact that again, RJ is able to use his size and his strength to be bigger. You know, it seems to me that the conversation with RJ frequently is about his ceiling, but again, like he's showing enough where he's, like I'm just looking at the floor right now, and everything else is kind of gravy from there. And he's showing the makings of a very, very good player from the floor, at least. I mean, the shot looks more improved. I feel bad for Drew Hanlon, who got so many – he just got a ton <laughs> of shit from people because RJ's game was was not doing well. Um, You know, that sort of thing, where I know that the numbers also may seem a little different because – he did take 11 attempts. He had 19 points, which again is still great, but there's a point earlier where he was um, in the, at least after the first half where he was just firing all, on all cylinders and it looked beautiful to see. So again, like, you know, these are the types of games that feel encouraging. Uh, they they kind of cover for the ones that feel less encouraging. And then the discouraging games get covered by these. So you just, it's this endless back and forth that you kind of have to evaluate later. So as of right now, I just I see a player who and, and I think that at least one of the the two threes he hit was a wide open corner, which I mean, like, again, if there's times where he's not hitting that shot. But that's so it's, fine. Right. It's, that's, it's like,
1: there's, there's two Evolution. steps in the NBA. There's hit your open ones when you have time so that eventually people will guard you. And then once people start guarding you, you've that's it. You've 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 beaten level one. Level two is off the dribble. Fancy stuff. No. If we never get there with RJ, that's fine he could still be the type of player that you just said, right? Right.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, the, at the end of the Cavs game, it was disappointing because I mean, first of all, Drummond to absolutely kick that ball. Um, I, You know, I mean, it, it just, it was disappointing. There were some mental mistakes that RJ made too, but it wasn't totally on him too. I mean, Tibbs even said to Mitch, foul Drummond, I believe which was a mistake in my opinion, because it just seemed like you have enough time where you can force them to miss a shot and then it's a one possession game. But you know, like those are the types of games where you grow from them. You learn from the mistakes that yeah. you're made. You're not going to go under your legs or dribble under your legs to try to create some separation. You're going to maybe not so, be quite as crafty, and that's okay. Take these games and use them to learn. Because if they're losses, then
1: okay, it's it's like higher draft odds most likely. And if um, they're wins, then that feels good too. I'm going to be uh, be a broken record I'll again. Work. It is we we ask the question: What is the point of this season? Yes, wins are very important, and with that. Would it have been nice to get that Cleveland win, right? Yes, it would have because then now theoretically maybe we'd be sitting at seven and seven and boy would that feel good. But at at the same time, you don't know whether R.J. Barrett could have pulled out that game unless you give him the opportunity to try to pull out that game. And that is an investment win or lose you're, you're willing to make, I want to say three really quick things about RJ and then we'll talk about the trade. Um, actually a quick, quick word from, uh, uh, no, we don't have a quick word from our sponsors today. I don't have an ad read today. How sad is that? Um, so we're going to go right to the trade after I say my three things about RJ Barrett. First thing, um, would you like to guess how many players in the NBA this season are averaging 16 points, seven rebounds, three assists over these numbers, at least 16 points, at least seven rebounds, at least three assists, at least three free throws made and um, under two turnovers made. How many total players under two turnovers? Wow. That's uh, definitely going to weed a lot of guys out. Yep. I'm going to say if I didn't give you the turnover part, it would have been about a dozen guys, all yeah. of which have, um, all of which I've made an all-star team. Um, with the exception of uh, one Julius Randle, who's probably going to make an all-star team this year. But we're doing it with the under two turnovers.
2: Okay, because I would have said eight if there had been the under two, but now I'm – if it was a dozen before that, I'm going to say it's four.
1: It is two. Um, One of them is Mr. Barrett. Um, The other one is Anthony Davis. So not terrible company there. For Anthony Um, Davis, of course. What? For Anthony Davis, of
2: course.
1: (laughs) The second thing I'm going to say about RJ Barrett, he is currently, as I as I sit here and record this, 229th among how many players is this? 465 NBA players this season um, in free throw percentage at 73.9. Uh, uh, do you want to take a guess at who is one spot above him in 228th place? Oh God! I mean, <laughs> it's not Anthony Davis.
2: Okay, uh, yeah. Uh, is it another Nick? No, it's a it's a it's a player of some renown. At 73.9%.
1: Uh, RJ is at 73.9%. This player is at 74.4%. four. All right, right. Uh, Sabonis. Uh, no, um, a different light-haired uh, uh, white guy. Uh, Luka Doncic. Uh, from from Europe also, so you were close and then the third thing it's I just say it's basically the same the same person really yeah. um the the third thing i want to say is we saw r j again today um put a similar try to put a similar move like he tried to put on drummond the other night on um who was it I forget actually who it was on but it resulted in a turnover and uh, a fast break and I think the last i'm not, I'm not trying to tell r j Barrett to like accept being like some kind of a lesser player but i think the sooner and i, I said sentiments of this uh, ilk uh, before i think the sooner rj barrett maybe does a little bit better job of accepting his limitations in terms of like look you know i might not be the you know the, the, the headliner. I, I might just be the, the guy who's more like, that's why I always went all off season when I was thinking of comps for him of like what I'd be happy with kept going back to Michael Finley, which is so weird because like Finley is a guy who not a hall of famer, but you know, made a couple all-star teams was like an invaluable part to so many winning teams. And like, occasionally that dude would actually go out and get his own bucket, but that was not his forte. Um, and I just, if that's the type of career, I'm not saying exactly that type of player, but like that, that type of career that we got from RJ Barrett, I'd be thrilled. Um, so yeah, no, no complaints. All right. Um, James Harden, James Harden. Um, by the way, I saw a lot of people make a lot of, um, the fact that he was warming up for his first game as a net and looked considerably thinner than his last game as a rocket. And I want to tell people like, you haven't seen those commercials for those like belly band, like those shirts that like hold in your fat. Yeah. Like clearly he just went out and got one of those or had, you know, uh, Joe Psy go and ship him one. I don't, I don't know what, what, what the, what the order of operations was there, but um, black is slimming. That's the other thing. Black, black is slimming. This is this is true. Um, I always used to go in my in my goomba days on Staten Island. Um, quick, quick aside. Um, I was always a black um, black undershirt guy, um, not a white undershirt guy. Right. Do you have the for, chain too? Did I have the yeah, chain? Yeah. Did you have a chain to go with the black undershirt? Come on, man. Oh, that's, I mean, they, they would they would I I wouldn't even be allowed to eat pasta if I didn't still wear this thing. This is. It's, it's like, it's, it's part of my, you know, it's part of my being. Um, I talked about the trade before on the, on the uh, YouTube after it happened. So why don't, why don't you tee us off here on on why you think this trade matters for, for our purposes as, as Nick fans?
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, um, you know, obviously you have one of the best players in the NBA coming right into the Atlantic division. That's not fun. If you're the Knicks, I think it, it certainly impacts how you build later on. Because I mean, let's face it, the Nets window is going to be what it was uh, in terms of the talent because you had Kevin Durant for another few years, you had Kyrie Irving for another few years, and now you're going to have James Harden for around the same time. So it doesn't feel like that significant. But I think to me, I'm really curious how this works out for the Nets just based on how, to me, it feels like Harden and Kyrie have very overlapping skills uh, and overlapping deficiencies. But when you have, some great players, you're going to be able to make it work. Uh, of course the defense has to hold up. It's going to be really problematic, but this is not Nets film school. This is Nick's film school in terms of how everything's being dealt with trade wise. The one player I'm kind of keeping my eyes on has to be Victor Oladipo. And you actually wrote about yeah. him in one of your newsletters. And it's not often that we disagree on something. So it's fun when Ooh. we do let's, um, let's have at it. So I don't believe that Victor Oladipo can be had for a lot. I think you can get him pretty easily, and I don't think that the competition is that stiff. Um, so the big. See, thing this is, isn't
1: fun because I'm going to agree with you.
2: Well, it seemed like you weren't because it seemed like they gave up a huge haul to get like the fact that they rather get Oladipo, they could resign him so, versus having Levert.
1: So my my initial instinct when the trade was announced was that the Rockets had to be uh, feel good about resigning. Oladipo and we we're going to value him because I personally thought the Levert contract was a good contract. And I, I thought Levert was a good player. There's this kidney thing now, which I don't know how, you know, they seem to think he's going to be fine. And we hope he is obviously, um, especially after the injury he, he went through. But again, we don't need to talk about that right now. Um, but the more I'm, I'm and uh, the wind horse has talked about this a little bit and maybe some other people. And I apologize if I'm missing anybody. Um, this may have been more of a money thing. For Mr. Fertitta, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> who may be the worst owner in the NBA. Cheapest, uh, I would have to. I mean, it's hard to say because he
2: just spent a lot of money on the Rockets beforehand. But um, And how did he like that? Not so much. No, nope, No, and he's definitely <laughs> not like that it now. There's even uh, yeah. a commercial I've seen on TV, which has been Fertita handing over a million dollar check. Uh, and it's it's just the funniest thing because he that's says like hysterical. oh this is gonna hurt me giving it over but here you go, and you can just tell the idea of him losing any money, oh, especially God. because all of his money is tied up in entertainment and can't really do that
1: right now. Um, that's the guy who docks a waitress two percent because she was too late bringing his coke over to the table, and yep. he owns restaurants, so I have I'm fully confident yeah. in saying that. Um, so that's the one thing, and then. Um, And then the other thing that uh, lends uh, credence to that argument is uh, the uh, Raphael Stone uh, today, earlier today um, had a press conference in which he was asked about uh, Oladipo and um, was basically like, if it works out great, if it doesn't like he, he, he was asked about the trade first and he didn't mention Oladipo's name. He just talked about the picks and the flexibility that it offers them. And then someone was like, so, what do you think about Oladipo, the guy who like has made two All Star teams that you got, and that's when he said the other part. So um, I, I can't disagree with you uh, right here on this. That's one. okay.
2: Well, so much for that, but that's fine since we're on the same page. I am interestingly, interestingly enough, writing about Victor Oladipo and the Knicks because one thing that I think is really fascinating is that again, like I don't think it takes a lot to get Victor Oladipo, but I'm not sure what teams you want out there to talk really about want. what's
1: not a lot, or do you Let's, want
2: to say? Well, we can. I mean, to me, it's like um, it's hard to gauge his exact value because you could say, well, it
1: was what? Like, and we're talking right now. Right now. Yeah. In trade. OK. okay. Right.
2: Uh, the idea of I guess it was Levert going to Indiana and instead of to Houston and Victor Oladipo going instead. But the Rockets didn't even kick over. Mu- they didn't kick any assets over. I mean, they didn't necessarily have to because they were they're were also trading James Harden. But it's trying to gauge what Oladipo's worth is. And. I've been trying to think of what teams even would be interested in him because you'd have to imagine that unless there's a team out there that's like, I don't know, the Sixers that feels like Oladipo helps put them over the edge and that trading for him makes sense. Even if it's a Jimmy Butler type situation, um, then that's something worth exploring, but
1: I don't who, know how many
2: teams it, actually want to do that for Oladipo.
1: Well, green is making green's making 15. 15 so they could 0.3. do, they could do green and salary for Oladipo. Right. Um but yeah, but not you even would, that
2: much. It could be like, yeah, it's like Green and Tony Bradley. And then that should be able well, to
1: get him there. I'm sure the Rockets, and this may segue into the next conversation, right. the, the Rockets would um, ask for uh, Mr. Maxi, And um, I would guess that Philly would say no. I wonder if. Well, here's the other thing to
2: evaluate. If it's true that Mori and Fertita didn't operate together, didn't facilitate trade because Fertitta didn't want to trade to mori. Then that makes it even more complicated, because then you think of like, all right, well, what teams is Victor Oladipo even going to be interested in? And there was that report not too long ago uh, of Victor Oladipo saying to the Knicks, saying to the Heat, saying to I think the Raptors, even of like, hey, I want to play with you guys. Yes, and
1: but, uh, yes. Can I just? Right. But we 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 should. It, it's important to also throw in there. And this God, this stupid Oladipo thing is so complicated. <laughs> after after that story came out, his agent. Aaron Turner came and publicly uh, responded to that story with a quote. And again, I apologize. I forget who the, who, who got the quote, but uh, I I know I read it, where he basically said, "Look at some of the teams who were, who were mentioned in that story. Like, why would he want to go to them? That's obviously not true." And you, as you said, the three teams mentioned in the story were the Raptors, the Heat, and the Knicks. I think those are the only three. So pretty clearly, he was basically saying, "Why the fuck would Victor Oladipo?" say that he or like want to go to the Knicks right which is an interesting layer at the same time this is the same guy who represents um Kevin Kevin Knox Knox and Jared Jared Harper Harper. right yeah Mm -hmm. so you know you never I mean God knows trying to read agents gamesmanship is a probably a a fraught exercise but it it's just there's a lot of stuff floating around I I wanted to throw that out there
2: yeah and so I think the Uh, one of the big things with the article is it comes down to the money as always it it often does, but it really depends on if the Knicks feel like Oladipo is the guy that they want to sign long-term because this is a weak free agent class. Uh, There's no gun to their head that they have to sign a player like him, but if they wanted to trading for him would make a ton of sense. Um, First reason the Knicks really don't have to send much money back um, because of the fact that they have, $15 $15 million dollars in cap space still, or $17 million, excuse 17, me. $17 million. Dollars and Victor Oladipo is earning 21 So what that means is they'd have to send back at minimum $4 million and boom, you get Victor Oladipo. We just talked about how cheap Fertitta is. I think the Rockets have been $131 million in payroll. Imagine shaving $14 million off of that when you really can't get many fans in the stands and uh, that hurts your bottom line. That's huge for them, especially because of them being the Rockets, uh, because the other teams that what they'd have to trade with uh, they'd have to get matching salary or they'd have to use a team like the Knicks or, to a much smaller extent, the Hornets, because they still have cap space, um, what they dumping have, some well, sort of salary. The Hornets have like... They have like four or six million. It's very something, small.
1: It's not a lot. Yeah, okay. Right.
2: So it's that idea. It's also, well, if the Heat traded for him, the, like what assets do they really have? They can't trade any of their first-round picks. No one's going to trade a first-round pick for...
1: Half the well, season they, or
2: so of Oladipo. Anyway, can got some second. They've got some second round
1: picks. that No, they can. Tra- the Heat he can trade a first. It gets funky. It's you get the protections. Based on protections the protections.
2: It pushes things off. That's the but problem.
1: here's the here's the again. This, this is such a complicated discussion. There, there are there's a there's a pick. I think that they can adjust the protections. I'm going to look it up right now because I think the Rockets may own, may be able to shift the protections on a pick like they own of Miami. I'm going to look it up right now. So,
2: the Miami, OKC and Houston are all kind of tangled in this
1: In all of the Yes. Right. Yeah. So
2: but but here's the thing. The Heat no matter what are giving up a first. The question is yes. whether the Rocket whether like the Rockets are getting their pick or if the Thunder are getting their pick because of how it So they still yes. don't have their pick this year and they can't trade next years because of the stepium. Yes, the but they can after, trade
1: 20 20- I think 2026 and 2027, assuming that a pick that they currently have out, we're going to talk about the heat here, um, converts in the first year that it is eligible to convert. I, but, I,
2: but they can't trade that yet based on the fact that they don't know if it will convert because they're, well, it's not 23 Right. But that's the problem. The, the NBA has to assume that you can never at any point have two future picks that are out completely. So if in 2023, it's, it's one to 14 protected 15 to 30, go to OKC, and then it's like that for the next four years, which would be to 2026. Even if it winds up, you know, finishing in 2026, they can't trade 2027 because of the risk of it overlapping where it's two years in a row. So the Heat really don't have the assets at their disposal to easily trade. Now, they could they could call up OKC and say like, hey, um, you know, what if we just had it be like 2025 as the pick protection and we'll throw you another second round pick as
1: a thank you. They could do that. But it's it if there's a
2: lot that goes into to factoring it.
1: And um, yeah, the Rockets are going to want either. Well, they're not getting Harrow. Um, they're going to want Robinson at the very least. Or they're not. At, no, at, I, I don't think they're going to get Robinson. So then they're going to ask for a Chua. And I don't know, is that enough for, for Victor Oladipo? If it's, and don't, it's, and good. it's, oh, and they would have to give up. Well, a Linux a Linux and a Chua. I think salary wise would get it done. <sighs>
2: they look. I don't see them giving up anything of value to get Oladipo, because they cleared why? the but, cap space.
1: But we should talk about why, and that's because the other rumor that's been out there, not so secretly, is that he's going to walk there in free agency this summer. Right, which is Oladipo. certainly a possibility. But yeah. in
2: the event that you know, like if the Knicks wanted desperately to have him, trading for him also makes a lot more sense because of the fact that if they trade for him and then look to extend him, they can offer something that Miami can't—a fifth is, year. Bef- yes, but more importantly, I guess in this case, because I don't think that with someone with that injury history, they'd offer him the fifth year, they can offer a raise of 8% per year, whereas the Heat would only be able to do a, a max of 5% because he wouldn't be traded there. But and- then the other counter is that there are no state taxes in Miami or in Florida. So as a result, you know, what offsets versus the other? Uh, and then you look at the teams like, does he want to join the Heat if they keep playing like they've been playing? Does he want to join the Knicks if they. Show signs like today and start winning. You know, there are a whole a whole plethora of factors, but um, you trade for Oladipo if you feel like you want him long term, not like this is our year to capitalize. And I could see the the Heat trying to do that, trying to make some sort of panic move of let's get him here, let's show him the Heat culture. We know we want him anyway. We're not going to use those second round picks. We found Duncan Robinson in a dumpster and turned him into an elite player, at least shoot, at least an elite shooter. It's like, harsh. They're, dumpster. I mean, could have well, been I mean, on like
1: in like a field or something. <laughs> Had would be a dumpster.
2: He's earned it and he's gonna earn every dollar that he gets um this summer. But that sort of thing where it really depends on if you want him. And if you don't, that's totally fine too. Like I'm okay uh, with the idea of not having Victor Oladipo It's just who are you gonna have outside of him?
1: I I think listen, he's he is easily the name other than Levine, who I think is a at some point we depending on how the Bulls season progresses, depending on how the Knicks season progresses. I think there's probably going to need to I, – I, I would wager that there will be some Levine rumors that will pop up, and that's not based on anything I've heard. I just – We've already seen them. We saw them last year. Well, we saw them with – yeah, when Bagley be- reported that the Knicks were, were – this this regime, right? I think that yep. rumor came out. Yeah, um, we're keeping an eye on on uh, Levine. Um, the teams that I just want to throw out there – so the, the two teams that have been linked to Oladipo, the heaviest are the Heat, obviously, which, again – whether you think they'll give up Achua and um, uh, Olenek for salary. And they, uh, and again, it's not a guaranteed future first, but like the, the possibility of a future first that could maybe convey um, maybe Um, Dallas Mavericks. um, Well, that's where it gets really interesting because they don't have a first round pick that they could trade until at the earliest 2025. Um, So even though Hardaway Jr. Makes the money work. um, I Is there a young player worth getting excited? I mean, like... Let me put it this way. What?
2: There is no way on God's green earth that the Houston Rockets will trade Victor Oladipo to the Dallas Mavericks. You don't think so? They're a division rival. Like, the idea of seeing him in a normal season in their division, like, it's just... I don't see that happening, period. I know that we've seen the Celtics trade with the Sixers and the Celtics trade with the Nets. Like, it's I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I just... I do not see a situation where that happens, but I did in my draft, I did talk about the Dallas Mavericks because they are a very intriguing option. And this is the one year that they have to use cap space. And they can't just use it on a player who is towards the end of his career, right? Like they can't go after Kyle Lowry as great of a fit as he would be because he's going to be 35 years old and you need to take a, a multiple year salary. Cause all that money is going to close up next year when Luka Doncic needs his extension. So, it really depends on how you can facilitate this. And it's going to be tough for them, but I don't see Victor Oladipo going to Dallas based especially on their history in terms of luring free agents. Now, you Maybe could not. say, well, they have Luka Doncic and Christoph Porzingis, so anything's possible. But then it's the idea of, is but that think, the wisest investment for Dallas? Because what Oladipo... thing that they need is just significant defensive help. And Oladipo yeah. doesn't, like, he helps offensively, but this is also the team that had the number one offense in the
1: NBA last year. That's not their problem, per se. We also don't know, does he want to go someplace where he is clearly, clearly, clearly not the guy? Um, I I feel like I, I don't know. I mean, just reading the tea leaves, that Indiana situation seemed fantastic. If you want to say, well, he didn't like the coach. Well, they fired the coach. Just a couple months ago and hired a new coach. Um, so, like, what else is there to point to for all I mean, he's from Indiana, so, like, what else yeah. could there be that he's not happy about? And I think it's the fact that now, all of a sudden, he's playing alongside Sabonis, who was an all-star last year. He's playing against Brogdon, or with Brogdon, who is more deserving of an all-star spot than him this year. So, maybe that's what he doesn't like. So, I I, I think there is definitely something there. The, and then, the only other t- I guess... It, it's worth mentioning the the Sixers. Like, if the Sixers put, we heard the Rockets wanted Thybul in any Harden trade. Sixers aren't going to offer Maxi. So does like Thybul and Danny Green and a future Sixers first get it done? Maybe like so. I guess I think all, that's. I think it's even too much. Again, like I don't think
2: Oladipo is going to go for. Yeah, but it's Daryl
1: Morey. He's a, he is as Wheeler,
2: he wheels and deals sure. as much as anyone. Right. But then you also have to look at it's like, well, who's really bidding against him to the point where they're giving up Thibel and a first round pick.
1: Well, then that's a perfect way to close out our conversation. What are the Knicks offering? Because if you're telling me that the Knicks could send out, they're not sending it out quickly. Um, but again, I, I don't,
2: I don't see Oladipo costing, what do you think he's – they're not I, I getting honestly, him for Frank Villakina. I'm and- not saying that. No, but but you're not giving up a young asset for Victor Oladipo because you – like, everyone knows what the risk is here. Everyone knows that he could very easily walk at the end of the season. Like They're not going to give up this insane haul. So if I'm the Knicks – you know, I mean, I what I say to Fertita is we can save you a ton of money and we can give you some decent second-round picks because I don't see what else any other team is going to offer that eclipses that. Because again, we've talked about how cheap he is. If you take on $17 million and all you're sending back is salary filler, right? And you're sending in a couple second round picks like the Hornets pick this year and the Timberwolves pick in 2026, which could be a decent enough asset. Like that they're is not, something that's more interesting.
1: I don't think they're going to trade him for that. I think, I think the but absolute who else, is, who else is
2: offering something that's that significant for a I player think the with six,
1: injury I, history. I think the Sixers offer Thibault. I think the, I think the Sixers absolutely offer Thibault without a without a moment of, of second thought. But again, that,
2: if the Rockets have no interest in trading with the Sixers, then what does that do? Ugh.
1: Okay. If I'm just, they, a, I'm
2: trying to incorporate. I know. Okay. The no, pack.
1: I I think that's listen. I think there's a real, real, real chance that there could be subtraction here because I I absolutely think the Knicks are are looking at this situation as like, well, we got all this cap space in 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 six months from now, five months from now, whatever the hell it is. Um, what the hell else are we are not, you know, we're really going to uh, give a eighty million dollar offer to, to Josh Richardson to try to take him away from the mat. It's like there's nothing else, you know. Um there's nothing. And don't get me Kawhi. It's Kawhi's not happening. Um, and they went after
2: Hayward this past off season. It's like, yeah. we know that getting guys who are, who have injury histories, who are still all star, or at least playing at a, at a good level, like they're going to look at those guys. And Hayward went to Charlotte. He looks pretty good too. He does, of course, but it's the idea of he could have stayed in Boston. He could have gone to New York. He could have gone back home to Indiana. He didn't want any of that. He went back to Charlotte, the place where he signed an offer sheet the, to start with in the first place, got matched by Utah. So, Again, like I'm at the point where at least from a free agency standpoint, nothing surprises me anymore because clearly well, these guys are, are going to well, do what they feel I is agree. best for them, not necessarily to win. Because if I, he wanted to win, Hayward would have found a way to go to Indiana. He would have stayed in Boston, but he didn't. I, so maybe I, Oladipo doesn't want that. Maybe that's not a priority to him because like, as you said, it seemed like Indiana was the perfect situation and it just did not work out for him.
1: The other, the last thing I'll say right here um, on this, cause I do think it is relevant is the Rockets. I want to just double check and make sure that I'm not speaking out of turn here. Um, I do not believe the Rockets have any incentive to tank this year because so their first round pick. Yeah. Right. It, it, it they don't. It, yeah. It's, is it, it's only top only if it's in the top four does do they, are they guaranteed to be able to keep it? Correct.
2: Correct. Unless they decide to become the worst team, then they have like a 52% chance of keeping their pick.
1: Yeah. So tanking is not really on the table for them. Or, at the, or let me let's put it this way. Like, I don't think they will be motivated by that to. In terms of trading away Victor Oladipo or or not trading him away, at the same time, I also don't think they're going to be motivated by trying to win because I think it's going to become pretty clear pretty soon that this is not um, a playoff team. Although, who knows? Maybe 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 Tito wants that sweet sweet play in game money if he could get the, the what if you're the AC you get two potentially two uh, home games. Yeah. um You know, listen, you never know with the guy. But then again, if that was motivating to him, saving. A lot of money would be even more motivated to him, right? Okay, here's here's if if let me throw the uh if it's if they say Kevin Knox, it's Kevin Knox and the 2023 Dallas pick. Um, I don't even think they need to throw any salary filler in because Kevin Knox is making over four million dollars. Um, are you are you doing that trade? No, I, I don't think I am. I I'd say for the Dallas
2: pick just alone and some other salary filler, Sure. But again, it's like this idea of, I don't see them trading Kentucky players. I don't see them trading one of um, Aaron Turner's clients for another. I think that they're going to try to consolidate. Oh, I, knew, I didn't even guys. think of
1: that. That's yeah.
2: It's it's again, I just, I don't see Yola Depot being worth a whole lot to the point, but it really depends, right? It depends on if the Rockets do want to kind of stay afloat and get some sort of player who is like, fake good enough to keep them up. Cause that's not what the Knicks can ne- necessarily offer.
1: I don't think uh, they, I don't think they care about that one right. bit.
2: And if it's, if it's purely financial, then again, saving $17 million and the idea of having um, a couple second round picks for Vol- Victor Lodipo that Your, you can say their, are part their, of the their, asset
1: but again, All right, what are we, what are we betting? To be, what are we, what 20- are we betting? What I, okay. There's a very good chance that this bet that we're about to make does not convey because Victor Oladipo does not get traded. I am saying if they trade him, that trade will include a first round pick. God willing, it will not be one of the Knicks own first round picks and it will be hopefully the 2023 Dallas pick. I'm not this year's Dallas pick, but I will bet you that that trade can conti- take it. Maybe it's, maybe it's Frank Milikina, and the 2023 Dallas pick, but it will it will be one of a, a first round pick, and you're gonna bet me that it's seconds and like filler. If it's
2: with the Knicks, if it's another if it's with team, the I think it's it's anything goes. If it's with yes, I would say
1: that. All right, so what do um a uh, I don't know a a six pack of the sure. of the winners choosing. That's fine. Okay, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I'm trying to decide now if I hope if I. If they, if they, well, last thing, if they do get Oladipo for Milakina and the 23 Dallas pick, would you be, really be disappointed? I, well,
2: it would hinge on re signing Oladipo for sure. Because if you're not re signing Oladipo and you're trading away Frank Milakina and a first round pick for like 45 games of Oladipo, then that's a pretty, shitty return on investment, wouldn't you say?
1: Oh my God. It would almost be like trading away the best young player that your team has had uh, since Patrick Ewing uh, for uh, two uh, possibly decent first round picks and um, a uh, sack of magic beans. It's not. That served as a victory like cigar all. tonight but in, in not, Boston.
2: But that's not what it's like at all. It, it's different <laughs> oh. because it's the idea of clearing sp- Look, it'd be one thing if the Knicks traded for, you know, like one of those two players that they then tried to sign. It's, they're trying to. The reason they're trading isn't to get rid of to clear it. It's to get rid of to then re-sign that player. But there's the risk. That's and I acknowledge that here, and I'll acknowledge it in the article as well. There is a full risk, and I can totally get why people would be turned off to the idea of trading anything for Oladipo. Uh,
1: I get that. I just, I just want to say for the record, if they got Oladipo for the twenty-three Dallas pick, I'm like Frank or Dennis Smith Jr. or nerlands Noel, like what one of these less, not Kevin Knox. Right. I've. I've that would be a home run regardless of what happened this summer, because that is a risk you take in the NBA. In my estimation, I I, I can't agree with that. I can't I I, because what does that really get you? If he walks to Miami, then
2: you just traded assets and like, well, we, we tried. You we traded gave up.
1: The, what's probably it's a top 10 protected pick in 2020. It's, it's
2: look, I'm not saying like, oh my God, these are incredible assets and you can't, you can't part with those for this risk. It's the idea of, again, like, you want to have some sort of safety net here. It's the idea of if you can get something with that asset that like let's let's not let's not even talk about the filler, right? Just that that first round pick, the Dallas yeah. pick. Even if it's like 25, 28, whatever it is, yeah. you still want to turn that into something that can be used in the future. Even if it's that pick, it's itself.
1: opportunity, it's opportunity cost.
2: Right, exactly. And I don't think the opportunity of of doing business with for Victor Oladipo to play.
1: 45 games with my
2: team before he walks over to Pat Riley and the heat is
1: a, is a home run. I, I'm not saying it's a home run. I'm saying I would deem it an acceptable risk. Obviously, obviously if he, if he walks, then that is a 100% a black mark on Leon Rose and his regime right. for a not reading the room. Right. And B not being able to convince a guy that you had in your building to stay in your building after the whole worldwide West of it all. Right. I agree. Who's the the whisperer. Right. Okay. So we're, we're in agreement on that. Okay. All right. Let's see what happens. Um, nothing would shock me. I'll say that, but um yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, um, you've talked about this article. Uh, when is it coming out? Because I can't wait to read this thing.
2: Uh, I think this week or next week. I've got another one that has to do sort of with Mitch and um, and and Frank and Desmond Jr. as well, actually. Um, so that'll be out, I think, first, and then the other one will be out uh, not too long after. But uh, again, Oladipo can be traded at any point. He just can't be aggregated with another salary for a while. So um, so basically, like. But, but I don't see the market heating up for him for a bit anyway. But, you know, they, oh, you I never know.
1: He, I don't think he's going to get dealt until probably close to the trade deadline.
2: I agree. Yeah. But there's still the opportunity where if a team like, again, the Knicks sit at six and eight, right? They're yeah. going to go out west. There's a very good chance that they go one and three in those games, possibly oh and four. I think the one win could be against the Kings. That's sort of thinking where uh, at what point do you kind of say like, we're we're in it, but we're not. You know, like, and again, they'll wait till game 25, as we've been saying. But still, it's that idea of, OK, well, you know, at what point do we say the season's lost or at what point do we say we're all in on trying to get that play in game without mortgaging much of the future? And we see Oladipo as getting him in the building and then trying to win from there. That's the question.
1: So, you know, that's
2: why I think they'll wait a it's, little bit.
1: It's fascinating because you could make arguments for waiting to get them so you don't win too many more games, right? Yep. Um, or, but, you know, if they fuck around and go uh, two and two or three and one on this West Coast swing, right? Yep. Um, which, look, we, we you would say is lunacy but we, this is the same team that won, you know, five out of six games against against really good competition. So who the hell knows? And obviously just blew out Boston. All right. This was a lot of fun. I had a blast. Um, everybody out there, thank you for um, – thank you, Jeremy. Your, your, your spirit and energy that you bring to this and to deal with my nonsense every week is is just
2: – Of course. I got one more yes. thing, actually. One more right. thing. Right. Yes, please. Uh, so I'm sure a lot of fans saw that uh, Yusuf Nurkic went down with a fractured right wrist. He did. Um, and the – the Blazers are pretty thin at center, so
1: I know that. I don't know if I describe some... Ian as Cantor as thin a uh, lot of things. Thin <laughs> is not one of them. A, he's a hulky man.
2: He is. He is. He's a husky boy. Um, <laughs> but I would say that uh, I'm sure the idea has come about to help Portland see if a deal can be made. Um, first things first, if a player like New Orleans Noel were able to be traded. It's not going to be until at least another few weeks from now. Not sure if Portland's even interested. Uh, Portland's pick situation is also pretty abysmal. They don't have too many assets at their disposal. Because of the Covington
1: trade, yeah. Right.
2: The Covington trade makes it that they can't, the first is protected every single year that it's available. So um, just a thought here, but if the Knicks absolutely wanted to make a deal, uh, Zach Collins is the type of player that you could very easily get not even on a buy low, but just like Zach Collins and a second round pick for someone like New Orleans Noel in a few weeks, that'd be kind of fun to see. That'd be interesting. Then you can, you know, you still have Taj Gibson. You don't need to rely on Zach Collins. You can sign Zach Collins for super cheap. If you even want him, you don't have to keep him. Can Cause get, he not a whole lot. I, I kind of
1: rather have Anthony Simons. I think, I don't know. Sure. The, but
2: it was more interesting Doesn't make the, it up for money. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, I will, I'd have to take a look at it again, but I don't, I think it's a little off, but, Okay. regardless. I mean, th- there's enough tinkering where I'd love to see something. I just, we're, we're a, not going to see anything for at least a couple weeks. Yeah. Uh, and B, you know, I mean, there's, there's a deal out there that can be made. That's on the smaller end. We'll see if the Knicks actually decide to do it. So
1: that's all. we shall. Um, master of the cap. I love it. Uh, Jeremy Cohen. Thank you. Everybody out there. Um, I'm sorry if we droned on for a while, but uh, what can I say? This is a, a lot to talk about. With great this win. Team. It was a great, yeah, win. great win. Fantastic stuff. Um, we will be back with you. Uh, I will be back with you with another episode in a couple of days. And then uh, of course, Jeremy, uh, will be back next week for what I actually, wait a minute. We should, maybe we should talk about this off air. I think next week's game is, uh, what time is that? Start time. That is a 9 PM start time. Oh Ooh, boy. Yeah. We'll figure we're gonna to, out. We're going to have to figure out some shit for that because I, maybe we we'll, got to predict our four though. That's the one thing we didn't do.
2: Oh, we didn't predict our four. Okay. Uh, so well i'll go because i was victorious again this week um, nah, to hell with you
1: yeah. all right go um i'm gonna so say orlando uh tomorrow or when you're listening to this orlando today uh golden state thursday um friday so it's back-to-back in sacramento and then sunday um should we predict the portland game just in case we record before yeah throw the portland game on sure yeah. so um I'm feeling good. I think I'm actually going to go with two
2: and two this time. Uh, the reason that that is, I think the magic are really sputtering without Markel Foltz, who went down with an ACL tear. It's unfortunate because they seem to be playing very well. So um, him being down certainly has hurt them. Uh, it is a 12 o'clock game, quick turnaround. So I could see them maybe not uh, doing the best that they can potentially. Um, and then I think the other game they win is against the Kings. The Kings are abysmal defensively. Oh my God. they, I think they've let up 118 points
1: a game. Well, they have something
2: absurd like that.
1: I know they have the second worst net rating in the league. Um, Yes. Which is funny because they've had some nice wins, but they've been close wins and then they've gotten their doors blown off. Right. Um, So I'm going to go two and two with those two wins. So you just fucked me because fuck. I can't predict three and one. We can do the same thing, John. No, no, that's no fun. I gotta go one and three. All right, I don't. Know if I I don't like you. Um, wow, John hates the Knicks. Jeez, guys. Just, 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 just why, why, do I invite you on this show? All right, uh, thank you, Jeremy Cohen. Despite my distaste, uh, again, thank you everybody out there for listening to another episode of the show. Um, and uh, don't forget to check uh, all of our shows out on on uh, the YouTube channel, next Film School YouTube channel. Um, Chris Procyon and I also did a breakdown of Mitchell Robinson's defense, which was fun. And Andrew Claudio, um, shout out to him for producing this show as well as all of our YouTube content. He's doing um, just absolute yeoman's work um, to bring this operation up another level. So thank you, uh, Andrew. And uh, yeah, man, six and eight, giddy up, onwards and upwards. Here we go. Never gonna lose again. This is it. (laughs) Undefeated the rest of the year. (laughs) We'll see you later.